You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 885 of the Lot on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And this episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably charged from Botswana, 10 design masters have been produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th. You can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Later on today's podcast, I'll be joined by Sarah Spencer of the AJC. Always fun to talk to Sarah about the Hawks and what's going to be happening uh, over the course of this next season. Before we get to that, though, some audio that I want to get to from the last couple of days. A lot of it from Lloyd Pierce, who talked to the media on Tuesday afternoon. But before we get to that even, uh, there's some injury updates that... Pierce provided that I will tell you about now, he said on Tuesday that Chris Dunn is doing what he termed as two-day on and lightened up on the third day kind of activities, non-contact stuff with the team. Load management plan is in place there for Chris Dunn. He's also splitting that with, with individual work as well. As I alluded to earlier this week, Pierce did sort of reiterate, and I would say more matter-of-factly than the actual release did, that the team does not expect Dunn to be playing in the regular season opener, um, which is in Chicago, his uh, former team. And he'll be reevaluated on December 28th. So that's a point of clarity. I, I, did, I did sort of explain that and get into my own thoughts on that the other day. But uh, that's more definitive now from Lloyd Pierce. And Chris Dunn will not be appearing in the regular season opener. No surprise there, but there you go on that. Also, he said that Tony Snell returned to practice on Tuesday for the first time in a few days after he was self-isolating. So he's now doing some individual work as of today, and they'll also reevaluate him when they return back from Memphis. So he will not be playing in Memphis, it appears, at least according to what Pierce was, Pierce was saying on Tuesday. So that's the latest on Tony Snell, and then Okongwu is also just progressing. Nothing new to report there, but we'll keep an eye on the injury report when it comes to him. Okay, before we get to the audio now, I'll tee it up by saying this. There's lots of back and forth here. I think Pierce is always good. I won't always play a ton of audio on this podcast. I've been doing a little bit more recently because of Zoom and the ease of that. But I try not to be so audio heavy, but this is pretty interesting in a lot of ways. I wanted to pass along a couple of the answers that he got into on Tuesday. The first question that I will play for you now is that Pierce was asked basically what he's been impressed by so far with uh, DeAndre Hunter through the preseason so far. So here was the response to that. Well, you know, I think I think we all know by now just just his demeanor, his approach every game that DeAndre is a pro. He, he's a worker, and you know his ability to get to the free throw line thus far is evident of the work that he's put in um, throughout this off season. And so I'm excited to see. In addition to that you know, some of the other things that he's worked on, his ability to play uh, and work on his body and be able to play uh, and have a physical um, presence, a stronger and more physical presence offensively and defensively. He's He's got his hands full with some of the matchups this year. Um, and so I'm, I'm impressed with uh, how he's come back and I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do on both sides of the ball. I've also been impressed by Hunter's play through two games. Again, it's only two games, but I've always been a fan of his. I think he's been aggressive and good, as Pierce is sort of alluding to there. Before we get to a second clip from Pierce on Hunter from Tuesday, I do want to play you part of, her, part of an answer from Hunter himself 
after the game on Sunday. So this was two days ago that he said this, but Hunter was asked about what his goals were for the upcoming season, and uh, this is what he had to say. Uh, be the best defender on the team. Um, that's one of the goals I talked to with the coach. Uh, he said I was the best defender on the team. He wanted me to play like it, so I'm just going out there. Whoever tells me to guard, I'm trying to guard him to the best of my ability. So a lot of us tweeted out the quote from Hunter, which makes a lot of sense about him being the best defender on the team. At least that was the focus of him. But uh, that's become, I guess, some somewhat of a side story. Hawks fans were reacting to that, etc. And Pierce was asked about that, actually by Sarah Spencer, who's joining us on the podcast today. Um, but he was asked sort of to follow up on that and as sort of a callback. But also Sarah asked him what Pierce specifically told Hunter. So this is what he had to say in response to that. Well, I said, that, you know, the starting job is a competition. And, you know, for, in my mind, he should be and is the best defender. But, you know, that's 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 still up to him. You know, Cam has been tremendous guarding some of those perimeter players, those elite uh, ball handlers and guys that are high volume. And, you know, Dre's got to defend some of those three fours, four three types. Um, but it's still up for grabs. You know, I think uh, DeAndre has to prove he can guard some of the, the, the smaller and quicker elite guards in addition to the threes and the fours. And Cam's got to prove that he can defend some of the, the threes and the fours that have some girth and some size and some strength. And so, you know, I, I think for Dre, it's, it's a mindset. I, I want him believing that. I want him thinking that. He was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year on the national championship team. And he's a guy that we need to call upon to defend uh, elite players in our league on a nightly basis. And we'll have one pretty much every night. So the context is definitely important there from Pierce. I think it's both true that he challenged Hunter to be that player. And also, as you hear there, it's not like he's anointing him as that right now, specifically. I think Hunter has great defensive tools. We'll see how he looks this season. I'm a believer in his defense long term. But the way that it read, the way that it heard originally was that, you know, Hunter's on this pedestal as the best defensive player on the team, which, at least in my mind, is not true right now. I think eventually it certainly could be true, um, but he's going to have to take a a pretty big step forward from year one where there there were some nice flashes, but he was not fantastic defensively as a rookie. And by the way, rookies are generally not very good defensively. And you hear that uh, Pierce talks about Reddish in there as well. They're very different defenders. I know they play the same position in a lot of ways. Reddish is more of a 2-3. I think he's more of a 3, honestly, but he's a 2-3, whereas Hunter is a 3-4. So they're definitely very different players defensively. Reddish was much better, as Pierce noted there, um, last season on smaller guards, whereas Hunter is more big and physical. Might be the kind of guy that you look to to slow down your LeBrons, your Kawhis, that kind of level. That's kind of what the uh, archetype is there for DeAndre Hunter. So Plenty to get to there, but that was sort of the uh, context. I thought it was good to pass along as part of this. Um, moving away from Hunter at this point in time, sort of broad broad takeaways. Pierce was actually asked about the defense overall. This first clip is about defense to this point in the preseason and what, and what they're actually looking for to be working on the rest of the way. I think our weak side defense has been has been great. Um, you know, we watched a lot of film. That's why we're late. We, we watched a lot of film today. And, and, you know, guys like Kevin, Trey has been really good. Uh, just being in that crowd, being in those driving gaps, pulling the gym over. Uh, where we still have to improve is our transition defense. Uh, we're still giving up early opportunities, unnecessary opportunities. Markel Fultz was able to go coast to coast on a couple plays. In the first game, Aaron Gordon was able to get a kick ahead and, and attack middle and get to the free throw line. I think he had two or three and ones. And so how do we prevent – they didn't have a tremendous amount of points in the paint. I think it was an average of 41, which would be exceptional. Um, but it's a, it's a mindset. It's a mentality. Uh, how do we do it in transition? 
Uh, let's continue to do, you know, somewhat of what we've done in the in the half court. We were hurt on a lot of back screens, just not communicating the back screens, and they were getting some paint catches, mainly Aaron Gordon. Um, and so that that that's what we got out of the two games is is how do we continue to harp on transition defense and that no paint mentality and where are the areas that they're exposing us in the paint. And to that end, I also want to play this longer clip for you. It's pretty nerdy in a good way for me. I love this kind of stuff. And I know um, I talk to people a lot, all the time that like to get into the nitty gritty of the defense. But um, as a follow up, he was asked about whether the new additions can give them flexibility when it comes to defensive coverages and whether they approach defense. And this is a pretty, uh, pretty interesting answer from Pierce. Um, I hope so. You know, I think the players are. Um, give me some comfort in terms of what they do individually and what we're trying to combine collectively. And so, you know, Clint is comfortable around the basket. Uh, we've seen in two games, his impact on the defensive boards. I think we're 80% defensive board rate in those two games. Um, you know, he's not blocking shots, but him being down there is a presence. And, and if he's altering shots and percentages are low, I'll take that all day, every day over block shots. If he's keeping the percentages low and keeping the shots at the rim low, uh, we've done our job. Uh, we haven't seen Chris Dunn, you know, competitively yet. He's practicing with us. He's working with us. But we know he's, he's still a ways away. But we know what he's going to do at the top of our defense. And obviously Cam and Dre on the wings. And, and again, I, I think Kevin's been our best positionally uh, – position defender in the two preseason games. There's no stat for that. It's just what I'm seeing on film. He's stunning for the stunner. He's stunning for the guy that's going to help. He's got a couple deflections and a couple steals just being in the right spot. Trey has been tremendous when he's off the basketball of being in the driving gaps. And so when you have a couple guys that can set the tone for you, it's really imperative that everybody else does their job. And we'll be pretty good. And I always use prevention and, and protection. We'll be pretty good if we can do our prevention aspect of our defense. But I also trust that we have a couple guys that can protect behind our defense as well. And so, you know, it's a work in progress. Transition defense was still an issue of concern for us. Um, I thought we did a good job getting some contested shots in the second game that we didn't have in the first game. But we got to keep adding it all up and we got to keep putting it together and keep emphasizing it. So there you go. Uh, plenty of stuff to get into with Pierce. I could have played more audio for you. Uh, he talked about some of the experiences gonna, that are going to be happening on the road in Memphis, some of the uncertainty there for the team's first road trip. They're leaving on Wednesday. That's some uh, weirdness there with the scheduling. They'll have later arrival times when it comes to like going to the gym to work out. All that stuff is pretty interesting. We'll follow it as Lloyd talks about it even more in the future. But uh, some firsts happening in the coming days. At any rate, hopefully that's a good uh, proxy for where we are. At this point in time, the Hawks again do play on Thursday in Memphis. They practice one more time in Atlanta on Wednesday. Okay, before we get to Sarah Spencer, who'll be joining me momentarily, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. And the first is Headspace. Even in the most normal of circumstances, life can and often is stressful. And in 2020, there have been challenges that go well beyond the most difficult of previous times. And because of that, you need stress relief that goes beyond the normal quick fix, and that is Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations and an easy-to-use app. And Headspace is also one of the only meditation apps that advances the field of mindfulness meditation through clinically validated research. 
With that said, whatever the situation happens to be, Headspace can really help you feel better, and if you're overwhelmed, Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation just for you. If you need some help falling asleep, Headspace has wind-down sessions that their members absolutely swear by. And if you're a parent, Headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. I can personally attest to that as well, and that I use Headspace to help me juggle all the obligations that I have during a very, very rigorous time. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads, and Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash lockedonmba. That's headspace.com slash lockedonmba for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every single situation. That's the best deal offered right now, so go to headspace.com slash LockedOnNBA today. I'm joined now by Sarah Spencer of the AJC. It's been a while, Sarah. Has anything happened since last time you were on the podcast? You know, I don't know. You tell me. I don't think much, um, but <laughs> thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Yeah, it's it's been too long. That's my fault. I should have had you on the podcast again sooner. But yeah, I'll how not. dare you? Yeah, that's on me. Um, but listen, life is weird right now. We also didn't cover basketball games for nine months to the day, uh, which was kind of strange. Mm-hmm. And I both covered the last game and the first game that the Hawks played in that time. Um, what's before we get into some, to some basketball stuff? What's what's life like for you? I know that's sort of a standard question, but also. Mm-hmm. The second part of that is, and you can talk about whatever you want to, but you're a full-time Hawks beat writer that can't really travel right now and doesn't have your usual access. So open-ended, what's what's life like from the whole hiatus to what it's like now? Uh, you know, massively, massively weird. Um, you know, for the first, um, I, I guess, several months after the season was suspended March 11th, as you um, mentioned, and the first few months after that was just like, you know, what the heck is going on? Trying to figure out, uh, literally trying to figure out what direction, you know, which way is up, what direction the team's going, how, you know, okay, so is it their, is it their off season yet? No. Is it potentially going to be, I, I don't know. Are they going to make the bubble? No. Okay. What's next? Any team activity? Okay. Yes. A little bit. Um, it's just been so, so strange as you know, um, you know, and, but think, I guess one thing I'm realizing is, you know, part of the job is that there's kind of bizarre curveballs out there and it's outside of kind of everyone's control. Um, so you just kind of got to roll with the punches and do the best you can. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I won't lie to you. It's been really weird. Um, it's been difficult at times as, as everyone's, um, you know, situation has been, and I'm, you know, fortunate to still be writing about the team. Um, and, you know, it, even though like the Hawks were so active in free agency and everything got, got kind of crazy, it was so nice um, to have, you know, stuff to write about. And uh, it's just been great getting back to the grind. Um, and it kind of gave me a big appreciation for just everyday things. Cause for a while things were so abnormal that um, it was just, you know, you don't have that routine and you don't necessarily feel like you're doing the best job, if that makes sense, because it's just like such chaos and you're trying to make sense of the chaos and just doing the best you can. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, as far as right now, um, the I'm pretty sure it's um, according to the NBA, uh, I don't think this is Hawk specific, pretty much all availabilities are via Zoom. And as you know, we can't really go do much in person. And 
that's really, you know, again, it's understandable because we're in the midst of a global pandemic, but it certainly makes the job much harder um, and much more difficult to do a good job at, I feel. Um, you know, typically I'm lucky enough to be able to, to travel. Um, the AJC allows me to travel. So pretty much like every game I'm at, or pretty much every game I am at, uh, typically, um, and you know, you get the best access on the road, guys have less just going on. So you can, you know, talk to them one-on-one, two-on-one, wherever, whatever it might be. Um, you know, your schedule is a little less tight. So, um, guys are sometimes more willing to chat and, you know, visiting locker rooms. Um, you, you get really good stuff just because, um, it's, it's just a more kind of accessible environment. Um, and that's all been taken away. Um, again, you know, kind of like understandably, but it, it definitely has made the job harder. So at this point, you're just kind of trying to, I'm just trying to do the best job I can. And also, you know, praying just like kind of we all are, um, the news with the vaccine develops and um, for the sake of everyone's health and also for the sake of, I, I think, normalcy. Yeah, it's very, very odd to cover a team exclusively on Zoom, even for me, and that would be way harder and way different for you because you're used to traveling and you have to produce uh, certain things. Like you're, this is your job and I know you have to produce a lot of content and a lot of that sort of relies on having people to talk to and having interviews and um, having transcriptions and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it makes it interesting. And I'm not going to do the whole podcast of this, although we probably could. Um, but it's, it's, very, it's very strange. So I feel like I had to ask you the second part of that um, before we move on. Like working, working over Zoom in, in some ways, at least for me, is easier and beneficial because for me, I, this is not my full-time job. So I can pop on a Zoom easier than I can to go to practice on a Tuesday afternoon. But for you, I try to explain this to somebody else offline that's not a sports person or not like a full-time sports reporter person. And they were kind of baffled why this would be different. But I have a hard time explaining it. But I guess try to explain, I'm putting it on the spot, why it's hard to do your job in particular over Zoom versus being able to be in someone's presence or in the locker room or be able to get them one-on-one. Well, when you're reporting... Um, so when you're, you know, developing relationships, when you're asking questions, when you're, um, trying to, you know, do this job the right way and, and gain people's trust, um, that's really hard to do. That's a very complex, very involved, very important, um, you know, process. And that's really hard to do through a screen. Like, you know, I mean, it's such a common turn of phrase of like, oh yeah, that didn't translate well. Or, you know, everyone's like sent a text before and been like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't feel like my joke really translated well. Or like, (laughs) I don't feel like people, yeah, I I hope that, I hope that made sense to that person. You know, like some things just, we all know as a, as humans that there's a lot that just, you kind of got to get someone in person and have just like a one-on-one or just in-person experience with another human in order to um, really, you know, develop relationships and gain a deeper understanding of someone. Um, so, so that's one way that it's really difficult because you can't really build relationships through Zoom. It's, it's so inhibiting. It's incredibly restrictive. Everything is through a screen. Um, so that's, that's difficult. Um, and, and I'm not trying to knock Zoom too much because, you know, of course it allows us to still do this job, like in the midst of all of this. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, it's, it's been, it's been helpful. I mean, can, can you imagine if this had happened, you know, 10 years ago when there was no Zoom and how crazy sure. that would have been? 
Yeah. Sure. No, exactly. And that's a really good point. So I don't mean to pile on and be too negative, but from my standpoint, when you're trying to report, you're trying to build relationships, you're also trying to, you're also trying to like storytell and you know, part of my, there's, there's a lot of different parts of my job, but one of my job is to like make one part, uh, one big part of my job is to kind of make people feel like they were there, um, and explain things that have, you know, cause I was there, I saw it firsthand. I talked to someone firsthand usually. Um, but it's hard to like make someone feel like they were there when I wasn't there either, you know? Um, so, so that's, it's difficult, but luckily, like you said, we still have a lot of access to these guys and coaches and, you know, like I've got, you know, people's numbers and stuff like that. So you still can do the job and you still can do it well. It's just very, it's just much more difficult because there is that barrier of it's all through a screen. So, you know, it's, it's harder, but you still can do it to the best of, your ability. And that's like what I'm, what I'm striving to do. Um, it's, it's a barrier, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do it um, as best as I can. Yeah. I, I empathize with you more than most would, I think just because I know how uh, that job works. I don't do that job. Uh, we, we do different things, although some of them are similar, but I, I know what it takes to do your job. So I, uh, I feel bad for you sometimes having to do all this through zoom, but you're, you're plugging, you're plugging through. We're hanging in there. Eh, eh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I, I just feel, you know, I'm just, I'm gl glad, you know, it's, it's a tough time out there right now. So I'm just glad I still get to do this job. So like oh, yeah. part of me, you know, I don't mean to like, you know, complain or like knock things too much because I'm just glad to still be doing it. But all that to say, I'll be glad when hopefully eventually it gets back to quote unquote normal. Um, just because, you know, that is so much, so much better and so much easier. And I feel like so much better for readers and, you know, our audiences as well. Um, so very lucky to still be doing it, but I'll certainly be happy when we can kind of go back to being in person and, and have that again. Yeah, it could certainly be worse. And we're not saying we're not saying otherwise, that's for sure. Um, but sure. yeah, I wanted to at least ask that because, uh, you know, I, not, it's not every day that I have a, uh, a person that's on the beat on the podcast. So thank you for doing that. Um, you know what, let's pause now. Let me take a break and hear from our sponsors on today's podcast, the first of which being Built Go. Whether it's a mental wall or a physical wall, I can break through it right now with Built Go every single day. And Built Go is a healthy replacement for your energy drink, but energy is anything but fake. Instead, it's both lasting and it's natural. Built Go is easy to take a one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase, your golf bag, or your pocket, get you through whatever you're facing today. Built Go is essentially a five hour energy without the same feeling of a crash. Plus, it's natural and it's better for the body as a result. And there are three delicious flavors to choose from in chocolate mint, peanut butter honey, and chocolate coconut. Bilgo is loaded with the good stuff to ignite your work. Listeners to the podcast will perhaps know that I have multiple jobs that I have to tend to on a regular basis. And sometimes... And a little bit extra to get through the day and the night, but Built Go is a fantastic solution to break through my own wall in order to try it for yourself. Visit BuiltGo.com. Use the promo code LOCKED to get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, Sarah, I will actually ask you some Hawks questions now. So, uh, <laughs> I guess broadly speaking, what's your general impression? Uh, obviously, going through Zoom, it's all different, but... Um, now that the team's together, they had the mini camp, they had this training camp, they had the preseason so far. We've, we've been hearing from them every day, pretty much. Uh, what's the general feel, both that you've heard and talked to and been able to glean so far through two, through two games in the preseason? 
Well, I mean, I think that overall, this is a team that is looking to be, is looking to make significant strides, uh, you know, from last season and which obviously, you know, they're 20 and 47 and really, really struggled. Um, so I, but I think the thing that I've noticed is it's not just that they want to turn it around. They want to turn it around and then, you know, run with it. Um, so that's a, that's very, um, you know, there's some very lofty goals and expectations for this season. Um, but you know, then they had an aggressive free agency and kind of, um, made some moves to, to back that up. I mean, we'll see how things go defensively. Um, and I think there's, this is still a team that has some questions about it that are just kind of hard to answer in the preseason, you know, like a big problem the Hawks had last season was, for example, you know, finding someone to lead the second unit without Trey. And although the Hawks got Rajon Rondo, you know, we haven't seen him play yet. So it's hard to answer. He hasn't played, you know, the first two preseason games against the Magic. So it's kind of, it's going to be hard to get all the answers we want about this team at once. It's, it's going to be a little bit more gradual. Um, but I think this is a team that is looking to be, you know, leaps and bounds better than it was last season. Um, I certainly think they have the talent to be significantly better. We're just going to have to see how everything kind of comes together. Um, you know, how much better can they be defensively, which certainly matters when you get into, you know, games that really matter and crunch time. And if they make, you know, the, what are they calling it? The play-in games and, or, you know, depending on where their, their seed is. And, and there's a lot, there's just so much that we all want to know right now. And we're just kind of going to have to see as they, you know, work through it um, because we haven't seen them in, you know, before, before they played the magic in the preseason, we haven't seen them in nine months. And it's essentially a completely different roster outside of like, you know, six guys or seven guys or so. So it's a, it's a very different looking team. Um, it's a, it's certainly a much more talented team. I think the biggest thing that stands out is the depth Um you know, as you know, a lot of times last season, Lloyd Pierce just didn't have many options um, to, to roll out. Um, and now he's got kind of a, kind of like, a, kind of definitely got a lot, a lot of riches to, to go around. Um, so it's going to be, I think it's going to be a fun team to watch, particularly because of the offensive talent they brought in. I think guys like Gallinari, um, Bogey um, are going to make this team much better. Um, and we'll just kind of have to see how they stack up against different teams in the East. Yeah, I, I think it's still so early. And because this team is new, there's a, ton of, there's a ton to talk about. And the preseason is more interesting in some ways, which is a good thing for us. But it's also mm -hmm. prone to overreaction in a lot of ways as well. I think the Hawks have played pretty well in the first two games, which makes it a little bit easier. There's been some flashes. I was rooting against... Uh, it being a disaster early on because I didn't want to hear from people. You know what I mean? Like, if it had been really bad those first two games, the sky would have been falling. Uh, or if they had won by 30 both games, it would have been, you know, NBA Championship, here we come. And mm -hmm. it's sort of landing in the middle, which I'm grateful for just for my own sanity. But it's still so early. I mean, takeaways are tough to come by. I know I played some audio earlier before I brought you in on the podcast of what Lloyd's been saying. It's all, it's all pretty even keel for the most part. Um, 
what did you make of the additions? I mean, broadly speaking, and also individually, clearly they spent a bunch of money. There's, you know, I know you probably heard this too. All of the national people have referenced sort of this uh, mandate from on high to get better, which has been kind of funny to hear. Um, but I mean, they, they spent a bunch of money. They added a bunch of players. You, you talk about the talent. What did you think of the additions? And you can, you can talk about any of them or all of them if you want. Well, gosh, there's so many additions to, <laughs> I feel like we could do a separate episode on, and I know you have, of, of each separate edition. Um, you do not have to go into uh, what Solomon Hill will do in the pick and roll, I promise. It's <laughs> okay, well, that was what I was going to start with. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, I definitely think guys like Bogey and Gallo are perhaps the most, um, I guess, maybe, you know, flashy additions just because of, you know, uh, what else was available on the market and also what the Hawks needed. I mean, the Hawks added, they added good guys. You know how you always talk about like, oh, it's fit versus, you know, just the best guy available, best player available strategy. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because they added Bogey and Gallo and those are some of the best guys, you know, quote unquote available sort of. Um, but also I think that, you know, offensively they just make this team you know, so much stronger. Um, it makes this team so much stronger than it was last season. Um, you know, three point shooting, um, was such a struggle for this team, obviously dead last in the NBA and that, um, and I think bogey's a, a good fit in this backcourt. Um, just because I like how he can kind of create as well. Um, and so, you know, again, we'll see how it goes defensively. Um, but offensively, I think those guys are just going to add so much pop and creativity. Gallo's, you know, much more than just a shooter, um, not to like limit him to that. Um, but yeah, so, so they bring so much. And then I think, you know, there's so many guys that we, we haven't gotten to see yet. You know, we haven't gotten to see Anyeka Okongwu, um, because he's been hurt. We haven't gotten to see Chris Dunn yet, who is obviously the most important kind of defensive signing, I think. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of guys who just sort of cooked the Hawks last year, who yes. I think, um, <laughs> who I think <laughs> could have stopped right there. Um, but to continue this sentence, there's a lot of guys who, you know, a lot of tricky wings who, who cooked the Hawks last year, who I think Chris Dunn could, you know, I think he's going to match up really well with them. Um, so I think that's an intriguing one, um, as well. You know, like I said, we haven't gotten to see Rondo. We haven't gotten to see Tony Snell who, you know, brings depth, brings three point shooting, a little defense. Um, and then I think one addition, like quote unquote addition that I would want to mention is Clint Capella, who yep. is not new. I mean, he's been around since last year's trade deadline, but he hasn't played until right now. Um, so even though he's not, you know, new, we're just now getting to see the ways that he will benefit this team. Um, and you know, a lot of that is vocal, you know, communication on defense, a little bit of rim protection, rebounding, second effort stuff. And then, you know, I mean, obviously uh, another rim runner target for Trey, but also, you, you know, and you've heard, you've heard everyone talk about this a lot too. Um, you know, he looks rusty and that's fine. I mean, he hasn't played since I believe January 29th. So he, he doesn't really have his legs under him yet, but I think one thing that has stood out to me and you're familiar with the Hawks center rotation from, from last season, um, it was rough. So I think one thing that has stood out to me, you know, with all the noise that they made in free agency, one thing that has stood out to me that might not be as like 
flashy, but is just how much Clint Capella can anchor them in, in that sense. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. And I made this point the other day, and I wonder if you agree. I think Clint is almost the second most indispensable player on the roster behind Trey. And it's not that he's the second best necessarily, but when you have a rookie behind him, um, in a Congo who hasn't played yet, you have Bruno, who is not a proven entity. And then just defensively, the Hawks are going to be pretty reliant on Clint Capella. He's not there like, yet, like you, like you just said. He's not in shape all the way because he couldn't possibly be, and that's not a shot at him. He hasn't played sure. basketball in a long time. But what do you think of that? Like, I think he's just incredibly important. And it's kind of funny that he's been overlooked in a lot of circles because he really is uh, very crucial. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. I, I would absolutely agree with that statement. Um, I think as far as like value, he's right up there. Um, and, you know, some of this is obviously, I'm also kind of a little bit comparatively speaking right now because of how, um, because number one of how kind of rough things were at center for the Hawks last season. And number two, we haven't seen him at his best yet, you know, so I feel like yeah. I'm kind of buying a lot um but no I mean he he gives them I mean you know like this is a team that last year um was very young and very quiet and they were open about that you know they acknowledged that that was kind of a thing that they needed to get better at and that communication was absolutely crucial um Clint's a little older and he's he's not afraid to use his voice and yell out there um and then that gets other people talking too um so I think all the way down the line from rebounding to defense to the intangibles. Um, Clint Capella is really important for this team. Um, I did a, a podcast not long ago and somebody asked me to uh, list a crunch time, uh, crunch time lineup. And I was like, ah, oh, man, uh, that's tough. Uh, you know, just because so many new guys, I haven't seen a lot of guys yet. Um, but one, the two names that I, it's just funny that you said it that way. The two names that I listed is like, well, Trey Young and Clint Capella, um, the middle of the sandwich is a little bit more, you know, I, I don't know if I would say to be determined or you just, we just haven't seen a lot of these guys play together yet because, you know, it's preseason and you're just kind of working through things. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree that Clint is of a very high value for this team. Um, and I think. I think we'll, we might even say that more so as he gets his legs under him. Yeah, it might take a minute, but that's, that's okay. They have, they have some time there, quite obviously. And you mentioned his voice. That's something that the Hawks have been talking about for a long time. That's one of the reasons they traded for Dwayne Dedman back in February, was to just mm -hmm. have someone make some noise. I know he's not there anymore now, but they, they've made these investments in especially Rondo and even, even Solomon Hill, who I joked about earlier. I like Solomon Hill a lot, but – those two guys, Rondo and Solomon Hill, at least from the outside and what we've, what we've heard anyway, people seem to be the leaders on this team right now, at least the vocal guys. Obviously, Trey's a leader as well as the best player. And he's been more vocal. But there's been a lot of talk about Rondo and Hill as these guys who are barking from the sidelines and barking on the court and providing that veteran steady hand. What do you make of that? Like how important is, is that going to be for this team? Um, I think it's very important because even though the Hawks have added um, 
you know, they're not, they're not a far and away incredibly young team anymore because of the guys that they added in free agency and, and this offseason. Um, so they're not unbelievably young, but their core is still quite young. You've still got guys who are 23, 22, 21. Um, and there's still guys who are not as loud as perhaps you would want them to be. Um, I mean, Solomon Hill who is just a hoot to talk to um, and is a really, really outgoing guy. And also, you know, guys, when they become veterans, when they've been around the league longer, I think there's just a, an increased comfort level in kind of speaking your mind and speaking out and not being afraid to kind of say like, yeah, this is, this is how it is. Um, I mean, that varies, of course. But um, so, yeah, I mean, I think especially with this team losing uh, a guy like Vince Carter, who wasn't necessarily contributing very much on the court, but, you know, I mean, Vince Carter is the one who worked with Cam Reddish to kind of fix his shot. Um, like, I remember writing a story about that and Vince talking to Vince about it and Vince telling me like, yeah, we worked on just kind of taking the wet noodle out of his shot and just making sure he's like steadier. And then Cam Reddish, uh, lo and behold, shot way better in the second half of the season. So stuff like that does matter. Um, even if it's to use an old cliche, even if it doesn't like show up in the box score, um, stuff like that does matter, particularly when you have a lot of players who are still developing and in my opinion are not, you know, are nowhere near where they could be, you know, as far as, as far as just like potential. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think that those, some of the young guys still have a a long way to develop and you know high ceilings and I think that will help um but vocal the 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 cerebral nature of Rondo is something Lloyd has has talked about a lot and just how Rondo like prepares and watches film and just kind of is like oh like you know playing chess out there and I think that'll benefit them I think Solomon Hill just being loud and being experienced is is important for this team Gallo has talked about that too about how you know, it's really easy to be vocal in practice, but it's hard to do so in games because you're kind of like focusing in on things. And normally there's like a, you know, a crowd, not, not <laughs> really far out, but you know, typically there's like all these distractions and it's harder to be as vocal as you need to be in games. Um, so he's talked about how he likes to be a, a game guy and really be loud, um, really be loud in games and kind of help organize things as well um so yeah I mean I think that I think stuff like that does matter even if it's not maybe like the the sexiest thing to talk about but I think I think leadership I think vocal leadership definitely mattered definitely matters and is very helpful yeah I think so too I think it can be both underrated and overrated at the same time like it's not going to fix everything but it's also you need it and the Hawks there's a there's a reason why the Hawks mentioned it during last season that, that they didn't have it and like you, you can't overlook that. Uh, this is a bunch sure. of they're a bunch of quiet guys, and it's not not a bad thing. But you know, think about the roster. You you know, I talk to these guys a lot, but I think people have seen even in interviews. It's not as if Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter are these loud, boisterous guys. Um, in terms of you know just the way they carry themselves, John Collins can be fun, but he's not he's not this incredibly loud presence all the time. Trey's not that guy either. And having those vets to do that a little bit in, in conjunction with, with the coaching staff 
it's just helpful. Like you just need some of that. You you need some juice somewhere. And if it, if it comes from Solomon Hill as your 14th man, that's totally fine. Like I made a joke that wasn't a joke. People thought it was a joke and it really wasn't about how much the team seems to love Solomon Hill. And they do. It's not a joke. Like they seem to really like him so far. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that's, that's not a joke. I mean, he, it's funny. I, I so I wrote a whole story about this, about, um, about the difference in just the, the, like volume in the gym um and i mean there was i promise you there was enough material there was more material than i knew what to do with as far as people being like solomon hill has a booming voice oh my gosh he's the loudest guy um but also just in general like you know the young guys and i think it's important to mention that like it's not like the these like vets or these louder guys are just like you know yelling in the ears of of the young guys like what they're they're being helpful, you know? So like you said, you got to have the ingredients there. Um, you, you can't just like leadership, you know, and like vocal leadership, it's important, but like, obviously you have to, you have to be good. You know, you have to have talent, you have to have the pieces in place in order to, in order for that to kind of start the engine a little bit. Um, but if you do, then that's the kind of thing that can really help you develop and, and put you over the edge. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a, it's a good way to put it. Um, all right, I have to, before I let you get out of here, I have to tie you down on some level about some predictions for the season. Now, I'm not going to make you go crazy, but is this team going to do what everyone's talked about them doing since Lloyd Pierce mentioned it on the record in like early March, which is make the playoffs? That's the only thing I'm going to ask you for sure, and then you can give me as much detail as you want. Well, I will say um... – so I'm not a, I'm not a columnist. So I try, I try. I know you're a journalist. Much. I know I got to give the cap. Sorry, Ca- capital capital J journalist, Sarah Spencer we, has to uh, play in. <laughs> I know. I, I promise. I won't go. I won't list caveats for like 30 minutes. No. So I try not to like opine too, too much just because, um, you know, I don't want to make it look like I'm like rooting for that outcome. You know, everyone Certainly. like wants for a, Everyone wants to cover a good team, but if it happens, it happens. If it's not, you know, I'm not a fan. So it kind of is what it is, you know? Um, But I will say, I think their chances um, are much higher given, um, I mean, given especially the play-in tournament, um, which I think is a really cool idea. I am, I am team play-in tournament. I think that's a, I think that's a really cool idea. I think it incentivizes teams late in the season when sometimes you might, you know, if you're kind of far out of contention, you're just kind of like, uh, not, you know, the kind of the level of play is just, you know, just kind of declines. Um, so, so I will say, yes, I think they have the talent to do it. We will see, uh, I have it. I think they have the talent to make the playoffs. Yes. Um, we will see if it happens based off how everyone comes together. If everyone stays healthy, which, you know, unfortunately is a, is a big question mark this season, not just with injuries. Um, but you know, you're, you're playing basketball during a pandemic. So you hope everyone stays healthy and is, you know, available, not just for basketball reasons, but just for the purposes of not, you know, being ill and being healthy. So I think if everyone stays healthy, I think they have the talent to do it. Um, I do think it'll be interesting to see how good this team or how much this team can improve defensively. Um, you know, Chris Dunn can't do it all by himself. Clint Capella can't do it all by himself. You know, they're going to need to get reliable, good defensive performances night in and night out from DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. 
Um, you know, a lot of other guys are going to need to uh, play, you know, at least scrappier defense as well. Um, so there's, there's some question marks, but my answer would be yes, they certainly have the talent to make it, I think. That was an extremely diplomatic answer, and I appreciated it. It's, that was what I expected. Um, I, I know I knew that, and that, there's a reason why I didn't ask you to like go on all the on the uh, over unders and like projected record stuff because it, it's tough. Number one, number two, it's not your job, and I want people to know that. So I was glad you gave that the, the explanation as well. That went, that went great. I think. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> it was it was not a it was not a typed prepared statement. Well, no, it's it's funny because and this will this will sort of bring things full circle from our earlier conversation about life as uh, in your job. But people don't always recognize that, you know, I, I definitely, I would say inject my opinion much more. I'm much more of an analyst than you are, but even I am trying not to be uh, partisan. I'm trying to be very objective with all of this stuff. And your job is to cover the team, not to opine. And that's why you have columnists. So uh, between you and me and Chris Kirshner and Kevin and whoever else, uh, it's not your job to be a fan of the team. So there you go. Yeah, you gotta. You Just gotta, a reminder. <laughs> yeah, you gotta. Yeah, PSA, everybody. Um, you gotta keep it objective because I want people to. And you know, I mean, it depends on the. You know, like I'll give opinion here and there, but you know, I just I want people to you know trust what I say. You know, whether it's like positive or negative. You know, I just you just kind of want to keep it objective. Um, but you know, it it comes and goes. Sometimes I'll give an opinion, but you know. I just had that little prepared statement. No, I'm just kidding. It was off the cuff. Just put your, uh, put your columnist hat on every once in a while and fire off a hot I do. Uh, every once in a while I do. Every once in a while I'll be like, you know what? I think they're going to do it. Okay, nope. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Uh, well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, please plug yourself. I know you have a lot going on and a, a new subscription stuff at the AJC and all that. So please tell people where they can find all of your work. Yes, yes. So, um... Uh, a lot of stuff is behind a paywall now, but um, I hope if people want to read about the Hawks, they understand and um, can kind of make that. It's not too not too expensive, so I hope people, I hope enough people are willing to kind of make that small investment um, and support journalism, and that allows me to like do what I do and write about the team, and also you know continue to have a job. Um, so yeah, definitely AJC.com um, for a lot of stories. I write a ton. Um, so lots of all the Hawks content, uh, your heart desires there. And then I'm on Twitter at Sarah underscore K underscore Spence. I've got kind of a bizarre Twitter handle because I have a really common name. So I kind of had the <laughs> something, uh, exciting there to, to switch it up. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Thank you again, Sarah. I would recommend the subscription. I'm a, I am a subscriber. It's not too expensive. I'm not trying to shill for you, but it's it's manageable, I think. Check out all the content everybody, Sarah's bringing. Everybody be like Brad. Everyone be like Brad. Be a subscriber. Su support your local journalism, folks. Uh, capital J journalism, even, from Sarah. So there you go. Well, thank you, Sarah. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. Check out Sarah's stuff, and we'll see you all next time.